Swim check one, two. Bike check one, two. Run check one, two. I think we're ready. Let's try this. Welcome to the Try Beginner's Luck podcast, a podcast where we explore the sport of triathlon from a variety of perspectives to help beginner triathletes on their journey. I am your host, Nashonda Shines. Everybody, it's another edition of Try Beginner's Luck. I am, as always, so thrilled to be here today because I get to bring to you a legend, someone who got an opportunity to begin training at the age of 48 and did her first race at 52 years old, her first race ever. And oftentimes when we get past a certain age, we think it's over for us. We can't start, we can't begin. But all it takes is the willpower to want to do something and you can do it. And it doesn't matter what your age is. And today I get to bring to you a young lady who has completed over 325 triathlons, including 45 iron distances. Yes, 45 iron distances. And let me just be clear. At 92 years old in August of 2022, she participated at age group nationals in the sprint race. Ladies and gentlemen, I get to bring to you Sister Madonna. Sister Madonna, welcome to Try Beginner's Luck. Well, thank you. I have to tell you that when you say um, race, maybe they better know what kind of a race it is. Everything, of course, in all our lives long is a race against time. But it's how we spend our time that's the important thing. And my race that you're referring to is uh, a triathlon. Uh, And tri, of course, means three. So it's three sports in one. Uh, Swimming usually comes first, then biking, and, and then running. And that's what the triathlon is but of course they come in different lengths and when you hear the word iron man connected to a triathlon it is a specific distance of two and four tenths two miles and four 2.4 miles swim that's number one that comes first if you're still able to get out of the water then you go to the bike for 112 miles. And if you're bed, able to get off the seat of the bike, then you run for a marathon, 26.2 miles, hoping to see the finish line standing up. That's the key. And thank you so much for correcting me. I love that you wanted to set that tone. And I appreciate that because you're right. I should have said what a triathlon is so that our listeners and so our listeners could understand what that is. And that's the premise of Try Beginner's Luck. We here at Try Beginner's Luck want to make, you know, this sport so accessible to everyone that they get an opportunity to do it no matter uh, that they understand what the sport is, but then get to participate. And so Sister Madonna, I think One of my first questions for you is, when you started to train at age 48, why did you choose triathlon? Well, I think it chose me. Uh, The first thing I was introduced to was running. 
uh, by a priest while we were on a retreat that he was uh, giving us, and we had some free time. And so I didn't know why running was so important to him, but he said it harmonizes mind, body, and soul. Well, that did appeal to me because I am not a deep corporate. Anyway, uh, we're all one piece together, but we do these different things. We have a head, mind, and body. And you got your triathlon right there. So anyhow, I uh, went out uh, after supper ran down the beach and was coming in the side door and there he was said oh where were you sister and I said oh running down the beach oh he said "Um, well how far how far did you go I said well I went from one eddy to the other and there was probably a half a mile and he said, how long did it take you? I said, well, I've only been out here five minutes. <laughs> and he gulped. He said, well, you just have to keep on going until you experience mind, body, and soul. What, how many years later now, 40 years later, do I experience the runner's high? Mm-mm. I sure know what the lows are, though. <laughs> hmm? It's a lot of work, but appreciably so. Wow. You know, I never thought about triathlon being from a mind, body, and spirit uh, perspective. And for me to hear that come from you, it really puts things in a different light for me. And you're Mm. right. I think you do get that experience in a multitude of ways. Like a lot of people, when they get to ride their bikes, it's a, it's a mind, body, soul experience. You know, it's a opportunity, but then when you put the triathlon with it, for those who are in multi-sport, there is something that comes to it. That's more of a, like a spiritual experience, you know, that you've challenged yourself. You've pushed your mind because it's a mental component to it, your body, physical, and, you know, and soul spirit, like it really is. And wow. I just never really thought about it in that context, Sister Madonna. So thank you for that. Well, even just doing uh, running is uh, in itself very freeing uh, outdoors. Um, it got me through a pretty hard spot at one point in my life. And I was being troubled by my sisters, who I think um, had little jealousy streaks, but it's hard to be a victim of jealousy. So when I was out running and looking at nature and everything, it was so freeing. And I said, you know, God, you and what you've made is bigger than what these poor people are is trying to discredit me for doing. So um, I am really sorry for them. Being a victim of jealousy 
isn't exactly comfortable. But then I began to think, well, being jealous must be very uncomfortable existence. So I began to feel sorry for them instead. The wisdom in that. And I think for those who've probably been on either side of that can say that there's definitely some uncomfortability on both sides of that. And I mean, we shouldn't have to feel jealous, right? But because we are human in our nature, it happens, you know? And I think at some point or another, we've all experienced a little bit of it on both sides of it, either being jealous or being someone being jealous of you. And so I'm glad that you handled it in a, in a way where you used it to your advantage to run and to clear your head and to clear your mind um, mm-hmm. so that you wouldn't harbor that. And I think that that's, that's kind of powerful. Well, uh, when you think that what jealousy is uh, made from small minds, but when you're outdoors and you see all this extravagance of beauty and, uh, well, you feel embraced by God's love. And so that's a lot bigger than what puny little individuals might think about you. So it's very, very freeing. That's all I can say. Wonderful. So you started the training um, because of, I think, Father John. And so it allowed you to incorporate mind, body, and spirit and to be one with yourself. But then you decided to engage in triathlon. Now, were you a swimmer? Was there any part of the triathlon that you had to learn? And if so, what were some of the um, challenges well, the you had to overcome? Was the fact that I was being uh, in, invited to run. You know, the priest, it's his fault when he <laughs> <laughs> suggested when he, before our conference that we, we uh, get outside with Mother Nature and run. And I can remember saying, but Father, I can't see running for no good reason. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not running away from anybody. This doesn't make sense to me. And he said, that's when he introduced the fact that it harmonized mind, body, and soul. That caught my attention. And so... Right after the conference and a supper, I went out on the beach and 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 ran. He was coming in the side door where he was standing and asked where I had been. I said, out there on the beach. And he said, doing what? I said, well, running. <laughs> and he said, well, where did you go? I said, from one eddy to the other. And he said, well, do you know how far that is? I said, yeah, about a half mile. And he said, how often did you stop? And I said, I didn't. <laughs> he said, well, you got to keep going. You're, you're on the right track. <laughs> so I've been doing it ever since. Wow. I love it. I love it. So swimming, tell us about your swimming journey. Um, how was it swimming in your very first race that you ever did? So thinking about back to when you were 52, uh, getting in the water for the first time, what type of 
help us. It wasn't getting it in order in the first time. You had to be swimming before you did an event. But that this was prior to wetsuit days. And okay. it was up at uh, oh, the north part of our state. And the water was not warm. And it, it was uh, a half a mile swim, I think. Long okay. enough to get pretty chilly. And, of course, I'm subject to that anyhow because I haven't got uh, a lot of insulation on me. And it was um, a little testy, but I decided, well, you just have to keep doing it until you get used to it. So I think that's the same with anything you do that's not commonly done, and it's a new uh, situation that you're building for yourself, you really have to give yourself some self-talk. And yeah. um, you do. You, so, oh. you know, when I'm giving a talk, I sometimes introduce the six Ds. Before you do anything that seems uh, daring, um, you first have to have the, the uh, dream about it. From the dream comes the desire, <clears throat> and from the desire comes the determination, and from the determination comes <clears throat> the discipline to dare to do it. It works. It takes a little doing. Wow. So dream, desire, determination, discipline, dare, and then doing it. With dedication, you can add, add another D. <laughs> dedication. <laughs> That's the most important one. I'm not missing that one, Mashonda. Come on, girl. Oh, what I also love what you said. And it just made me laugh because I have a lot of this. You were like, you know, the water was cold and I didn't have a lot of insulation. And I'm like, oh, because I have a lot of insulation. And so I love how you address that. And um, as you were telling us about your six D's. Okay, so the water was cold. You did a, a half a mile swim. So tell us about your first bike at that particular race. What was that like? Uh, which one you're talking about? At your very first race when you got out of the water and it was still a little bit cold and you got on the bike oh. for the first time at your first race. Well, it, fortunately, it was a bright, sunny day. And um, the temperature was warm. And that certainly helped. And uh, because I was on the bike, I, the wetness kind of got blown away. So I got it dried off quickly and it worked quite well I was surprised <laughs> and enough for me to keep at it <clears throat> okay it wasn't and just a once in a great time affair it has become a love affair <laughs> mm. so just enough for it love. to become a love affair uh-huh <laughs> and your first run so getting off the bike for the first time or obviously, I know you, you've prepared, so you've practiced it. But in the race setting, combining the swimming, the biking, you're in transition, going into the run. 
What was that like at your very first race? <laughs> I, don't, I still remember that feeling, uh, getting off the bike. First, of course, it was the swim, and then, then the bike, and then the, the run. And I, I felt like a drunken sailor <laughs> for the first 500 yards <laughs> until I got used to my own motion again. <laughs> that wasn't being propelled by other than my own legs. That was funny. No, it was, because I've never heard anyone compare it to being a drunken sailor. And I guess the word we use now is like, we call it a brick because your legs feel like a ton of bricks. So that's kind of cool uh, to look at it as a drunken sailor, not really having a sense of motion. I absolutely adore that. So you knew it was a love affair after the bike and you just kept going. And you did mm-hmm. your first iron distance. You start well. You did your first triathlon at age fifty-two. You did your first iron distance at fifty-five. Three years later, what was it like when you did your first Ironman? Well, I usually do things ass backwards. <laughs> 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 so that's what I, happened when I. Uh, started running after biking um that that was usually it is the way it works first you swim and then you bike and then you run if you can but that biking was um very very tedious it was 25 miles with uh, a borrowed bike, and it was a man's bike at that, and, and it was about one inch uh, taller than it should have been. So I had a lot of use getting used to business. <laughs> but when I got off the bike, <laughs> that was and tried to run, that's when I felt like a drunken sailor. I just, rather than going straight, I was going from side to side until <laughs> I got used to my own motion. But it, it took a few steps for that to happen. <laughs> so, anyhow, I got through it. Absolutely. You complete something. When you complete something, you feel uh, elated that you got it done. So that was enough to keep me going forever and ever. Oh. I'm still looking at my beautiful, uh, oh my, the flakes has come even larger. And I, if I were younger, I would enjoy just getting out there and running in the snow. But being closing in to 93, I'm not so Sure. <laughs> but I love to look out the window and look at it. <laughs> yes, because it's snowing where you are today, right? Oh, it's really coming down. But what's bad is uh, I have relatives that, who are supposed to fly out of Spokane today. And they have lived a little distance from the airport. So I don't know how they're even going to get to the airport, let alone 
know if the plane's going to take off. So I have to do that after the uh, interview and inquire. Okay. So say a prayer with me that they will make it okay. Yes, ma'am. Well, we pray that they will make it okay to their destinations. Thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. So um, I know you have family that is traveling out and I am really enjoying talking to you. When you started, you know, you were just doing sprint or Olympic triathlons, and then you decided to take, take it a step up and you got involved with the Ironman brand, which is a 2.4 mile swim, 112 mile bike, and the 26.2 mile run at the end. Do you remember your first full Ironman that you completed? And if so, what was that feeling like and walking us through? Because by then you had graduated to this big distance that so many people, um, that's the goal, right? That's the pinnacle in triathlon is to work your way up to this uh, full triathlon distance. So what was it like for you as you were training for this? Well, um, I had to think about it first. And, you know, like I said, the three Ds, that you had to dream about it. And then from the dream, you want to try it. So I decided that um, it, it was on a hot day, thank heavens. And the swim was in the ocean, which is never really warm. Thank heavens for the hot, sun, sunny day. Get on the bike and get some of the wetness blown off me. And it ended up being um, successful. I got to the finish line all in one piece. So I realized that, well, I can do this. So if I can do this, maybe I should keep doing this. And right off the bat, I think my first event was uh, actually a half Ironman distance. So when I got off the bike, <laughs> it it took me about 13 minutes to get used to my body where I could start running. <laughs> I do remember that well. And... Uh, get yourself in motion it it can become automatic you have to take the first step take the first he's going to do it for you I like that take the first step that's kind of a oh go ahead I just it's going to say it begins to flow after that it does. And then so it surprises you that you can do that. Oh, and yeah. it doesn't really knock you to pieces. In fact, having the ability to do that outdoors, the outdoors is a healer. And you're surrounded by all of this God made beauty. And what you're dealing with, and I was dealing with the hardships of uh, jealousy at the time, that Everything seemed so minimal to the greatness of God's magnificent outdoors. 
want to go back a little bit, Sister Madonna, because you have had, you've been an athlete all your life. You were a championship equestrian as a teenager. And uh, then sports took a back seat and you joined a convent at age 23. Tell us a little bit about that journey for you and, and how, yeah, tell us a little bit about that journey. Well, uh, I had about 25 suitors at the time. And so when I had this party that I was going to announce my upcoming future, everyone expected me to tell them about uh, one of uh, my consistent uh, suitors. Mm. <laughs> and it blew them away when I said that I was going to enter the convent. I, I remember their response. Um, and then I had to deal with tears from my own family, and I wasn't expecting that. I mean, very seldom do you see your father cry. And my mother was another. Anyhow, I thought it was going to make him happy, but it was quite the opposite. (laughs) And, of course, it surprised all the suitors, too, so... Anyhow, uh, it did not deter me. I was sorry for having to disappoint, in a way, others' expectations. But it was my life, and I had to do what I believed should be done with it. And so will you tell us a little bit about choosing this life that you knew of following this path of God, but also training for races. Did you ever have any conflicting interests? And if so, how did that, how did you resolve that? I didn't hear the important word. Did it ever have me do what? No, I was saying, um, so yes. So what I'm asking uh, Sister Madonna is, how did you balance, how did you balance being a nun and your triathlon sports life? Oh, I'm probably still considered unbalanced. (laughs) 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 Yeah, a lot of people don't understand it, but, uh, you know, you have to do what you feel you can do. If you're given a gift, if you don't use it, you're insulting your maker. Well, I got to come. Uh, I think you just took my breath away with that one about being unbalanced. That was good. Hashtag, you got me. That was that was really good. <laughs> and you're right. If you don't use your gifts, it's, it's truly an insult. And I appreciate you, you know, utilizing your gifts to um, raise money for charities. You've raised money for so many charities as a result of what you've been able to do in the triathlon space. And I really, I think seeing you last year cross the finish line in person, that was my first time ever seeing you. And being in the announcer's booth with Tim Yacht, Karen Smyers, and Michael Zimmerman being down on the, uh, on, the, on the carpet calling you in, it was just pandemonium in Milwaukee. And to see you at 92 coming across that finish line and 
what are you doing that to me that was just wow when did you know you wanted to do that race and how did you surprise everybody with doing it? Do you have a team of people that help you train today or that help you train during that time? Oh my gosh, no. <laughs> Who would I find at this age doing the same thing? <laughs> Let's face it. No, I, I'm a loner. So anyway, to get back to your the part of your question, um, it was at the reason for my being up in Milwaukee where this took place that you're referring to um, was uh, they were conducting a Hall of Fame, um, and I was invited to be one of those. Uh, but following that, uh, that that was on a Thursday. Then the weekend, I think, was a, on a Saturday that they had a triathlon planned. And I said to myself, okay. I'm here, and I've got a bike I can use. I had sold my own bike, uh, one of mine, uh, to a now very good friend who lived not too far away from uh, the Milwaukee area, and she was going to do the race also. And But she was kind enough to bring my old bike along. And... Boy, when I got finished with the swim and on that bike, it just felt like home. And I went sailing along with the greatest of glee. It was a beautiful experience. So I was very fortunate to be able to do that. Actually, I did another one in September. That was in August. And I'm... This is just last year that I'm talking about. And the area that I did was about an hour's drive from Spokane in Moscow, Idaho. And now, does that place have a name? (laughs) Yeah, Moscow, Idaho. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But the people down there were so, so friendly and uh, welcoming. Yeah, it's a, it was a beautiful little community. I don't know what's going to happen this year. Whether uh, I actually had to have somebody come the whole distance of an hour's drive to pick me up because I'm not supposed to drive uh, anymore because I'm macular degeneration, and I think um, that action in itself was so selfless. That really, really um, made me appreciate the trouble people go to just to try to make things comfortable for me. I'm so grateful. Absolutely. And I'm grateful that people rally behind you and support you so that you can still do what you love. Yeah. Well, you know, I think. People really appreciate the opportunity to do something good for others. Yeah. Instead of opposition, which we sometimes get for doing what we do, we can turn it into opportunities to encourage others to do the same. 
Mm. Again, you're dropping gems. I, I, I absolutely love it. So Sister Madonna, I think if I'm, if, my research skill still serves me good. And what, what the interweb says is true. You still hold the record for being the oldest woman to have completed an iron distance. Yeah, that's at, true. And I think that's at age 82. So that was about 10 years ago. Uh-huh. Yeah, oh. that's true. So what was well, it like? Well, I really am now, but I will not <laughs> another Ironman. I think I did my last one in 2014, and I had done my duty by then. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's right. What was that like um, for you to represent and be the oldest woman to complete an Ironman? Well, I never thought about it that way. I just just was used to doing it, and uh, it didn't make any big difference to me uh, because I was a couple years older than when I first started because I can remember one year when I did two half Ironman distances within five days of each other. Mm -hmm. So usually you need a little recovery time, but I just went from one to another, and it it didn't bother me. I thought it was a little unusual. Mm. Two half iron distance in two within five days. So tell us about your experience on the big island of Hawaii doing Ironman there? Well, when you've done 22 of them, it, it's a little hard to say because each experience is different because you have, uh, the terrain might be the same, but the conditions may be different on the same terrain. Mm-hmm. And of course, the people around you are different. But it's always a new experience. Even after doing 22 Ironman in Canada and 22 in Hawaii, it it's always a new experience. And uh, so I get enthralled with the, the doing of it. Makes mm. sense. So what's your most memorable experience, since they all present a different experience, can you share with us one of your most memorable experiences? Uh, y- yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this was in, in 2006, I think. And, um, oh, yeah, that's, this is, it was. That's when they had an earthquake over there. And it was just a week before we were supposed to do the Ironman. But what's also interesting is that Ironman's committee's nose was out of joint because the date that they have always had, I think was either the second or the third uh, weekend in October, was given instead 
to love boat. Mm. And they were, so they had to drop back a whole week and accept the, the following week to do our event. Well, what they didn't know was really an act of God because on the date it should have been that Love Boat had it was the earthquake over there. Yeah. Now, a Love Boat can waltz on the waters, but imagine bodies and bikes scattered all over the pavement. So, you know, man suggests and God, man proposes and God disposes. And he could have, if we had had gone ahead with that on the date originated, think what would have been like. I don't think they would have had enough ambulances even in that town. So, you know, what sometimes seems as opposition to our desires are really uh, opportunities to improve and to adjust. Wow, that um, there's so much. Are you there? Yes, ma'am. Look, I'm. I'm yes, ma'am. I am here. I, I'm just kind of marveling at what you and just just really thinking about what you just said in terms of Iron Man had to change their date because Love Boat had it, and that was the date the Love Boat did theirs, which is normally the date that Iron Man would be there. Was an earthquake, and imagine you know, the lives that would have been devastated as a result of that. And, you know, just that, mm-hmm. um, as you mentioned, the, the act of God for them having it a week later was to their benefit unknowingly, right? And then you you mentioned about opposition, how it is an opportunity. You know, sometimes when we have oppos- opposition or if we put it into context of, you know, sometimes finishing races, they're just opportunities, you know, to go back and fine tune and challenge yourself. And it's not, it's just that what it is, that is what it is. And so I appreciate you stating that because sometimes, you know, as athletes, we can get in our own head when we don't have the best races or when we're not uh, performing in a certain way. And we have to know that we won't always perform, uh, at a high level all the time and you will have highs and lows, you know, success Mm -hmm. isn't linear. And I know for me, I sometimes forget that success isn't linear, but this just reminded me of what you said. It's just, it's an opportunity when you're faced with opposition. Um, So yeah, I I was just kind of taking it all in because you're just, again, you're dropping gems, Sister Madonna. I'm here for it. (laughs) You're cute. Well, you know, all of life is really like that. Um, that man proposes, God disposes is so true. And But when we try to take control, we mess things up royally in many cases. Otherwise, um, get fretful if it didn't turn out the way we wanted it to. But again, it it's if you relax, 
and let God take control instead of you wanting to take control, things do kind of settle down and it doesn't seem quite as difficult. And you consider, well, that's my my thought, but it's God's and I accept. So acceptance of any kind of uh, disappointment is a way of beating it. You just accept and go along as if. I tell you, I hope y'all listening. This is good as I'm talking to myself, girl. This is good. This is so good. Sister Madonna. <laughs> I mean, it's like you're 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 so subtle in how you are, you know, just simply expressing. I've had the pleasure um of just talking to you a couple of times leading up to this, you know, just with technology being a challenge and you know, us making this work. And every time we talked, you have just poured into me. And I asked Sister Madonna this question and I was like, well, Sister Madonna, like, what are you doing now that you're not a nun, you know, et cetera. And she was like, well, you never give up, you know, the call of God that's on your life. And she just had me laughing so much, essentially saying <laughs> that you never give up your call. And so what are you doing now, Sister Madonna, to keep your time and you know, to keep yourself uh, filled because I know you, you're, you like to still serve and, you know, be with your community. So tell us about what you're doing these days. Well, I, I might have to have a little backup uh, on what you were saying. It reminded me of one of the occasions when I was giving, uh, invited to give a speech to this, um, oh, uh, the he society he meaning men it's all composed of men so the first time around was the, uh, the group in new york and then uh they made me do it again to another group in um uh, washington dc <clears throat> so it wasn't too far away from each other and, and the, but the personnel uh, of men were different. Excuse me, my voice is getting raspy. Anyhow, <clears throat> this one uh, man uh, wanted to, uh, well, he was kind of a skeptic, I guess I would mean that. But he, um, was being kind of a smart AS. And <laughs> he said, Well, sister, what will happen if you stop being a nun? And I said, What happens when you stop being a father? <laughs> and the whole whole room erupted. <clears throat> so he he got his little smart aleck business. <clears throat> what in the world's going on? I, I was trying to describe something about this man. Um, when I came back to him with that response, when he said, "Do you ever? What will happen when you stop being a nun?" 
And I'm saying, well, what happens when you stop being a father? <laughs> and that was an answer he wasn't expecting, but, and the whole room laughed. So that was the end of his charades of trying to get me off. Um, oh, gosh. Again. I think I might as well go out and join those white flakes <laughs> as far as my... Yeah, still coming down. Only it may be getting warmer and it's looking like a half rain, half snow business. Uh, where, where are you from right now? Where are you living? Right now I'm in Washington, D.C. Milwaukee? No, Washington, D.C. Oh, Washington. Yes, ma'am. Oh. Well, you've been getting some winter weather, too, haven't you? We have been getting some winter weather. Yesterday, we got, um, yesterday, yes, we have been getting some winter weather. Usually, it's a little bit more of a harsh winter, but we've had a bit of a mild winter with some harsh days, but it's been a very mild winter. Oh, yeah. wonder what your summer is going to be like now. Ooh, I'm hoping that summer will be amazing. Do you usually get pretty warm summers? We get very warm summers and very uh, humid summers. So I'm oh, hoping yes. it will be more warm, less humid. But you know what? I, as long as it's warm and the sun is shining, I'll take it. Yeah, that's the way I feel too. I was born in St. Louis, Missouri, which is supposed to be the most humid area mm -hmm. in existence. But since I grew up in it, it didn't make any difference to me. I loved it. So warm weather is my preference. In fact, I have a theory, but it doesn't seem to be uh, true for everybody. But mm. I always thought that you were most comfortable in the month that you were born in. And so I was born in 105 in muggy St. Louis, and I can stand the heat. I'll tell you, I'd much prefer the heat than the cold. Absolutely. So what month, if 105, that probably is like July, because July is like the middle where it's so hot. Were That's you born in July? That. Exactly. Exactly. You nailed it. Woo, July, July babies unite. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm I'm fart. You want to start over? <laughs> no. We can't start yeah, over. Our our listeners would be like, wait a minute, what's happening? But as you can see, we've we we've just been having a conversation, Sister Madonna, and I appreciate it. And I hope that um you know, the listeners will appreciate just hearing your voice, hearing more about your story and, uh, you know, just being able to share at 90. Well, I'm just going to say 92.5 because you'll be 93 in July. Um, what has it what is on? Are you participating in any races this year? Like, I'm curious to know. Well, last year, um I did at least two triathlons. Um, I was invited to Milwaukee for the Hall of Fame 
which was held on Thursday, but mm-hmm. that weekend they were having a triathlon. So I stayed to do that one, and, and that was really neat. Um, I had sold my bike to someone uh, back a year before. I mean, one of my bikes, I can't ride three at the same time. So uh, he was very considerate, living not so far from the race area in her town, and she was going to do it. And so she offered to bring my old bike so I could use it to do the race night as well. And so much fun. It was like being at home again. Oh, wow. On that old bike. It was just so comfortable. (laughs) (laughs) Old home week. Yeah. So neat little surprises keep popping up. The other day, I was thinking about laughing. What causes people to laugh? Mm. And I thought, well, I think we laugh when we're taken by surprise. Mm. And then then I got to thinking, well, Jesus was human. I wonder if he ever laughed. And then I thought, well, probably, I don't know, he probably smiled, but laughing is when something takes you by surprise. And Mm -hmm. I don't think anything would have taken him by surprise. So I'm still pondering that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you keep on pondering, and when you get the answer, definitely let us know. And we hope that you surprise us and take us by storm by still competing. And so I often say on the show that you can do this sport. There's no end game to when you don't have to do it anymore. And so I think you are uh, the epitome of what I've been talking about, about being able to do this sport until the wee ages, because just staying active. And so do you have any advice that you want to share with first timers or those who are participating in sport? Who might just be listening. So do you have any words of wisdom? I mean, everything you say is full of words of wisdom, but anything that you want to like end with before we get into rapid fire questions? Well, um, I think of the six D's. Um, You have to dream that you want to do something. And what the, the dream does is from the dream comes the determination and the determination becomes the uh, the whole doing of it and that takes a lot of daring in many cases so are we willing to accept the dare that we actually place on ourselves mm-hmm. so we have to answer for what we do or don't do. Sometimes it's just as bad not to do something that we could if we believed in ourselves and our capability. But sometimes we're afraid to try. Mm. So we're our own worst enemy. 
watch that sometimes. And another thing is we don't have to live up to other people's expectations. Mm-hmm. That's where a lot of people get their nose out of joint. In order to do anything of uh, interest that you yourself are really interested in, you have to believe that you can really do it. Yeah. And sometimes we're our own worst enemy when we're skeptical that it's even worth trying. So we have to turn our personal opposition into an opportunity and then go ahead and try it. I love that. I absolutely love that. Okay, Sister Madonna, we always do this little thing on our show uh, called Rapid Fire. And of course, I got to send you through a few of the questions, and they're really quick questions um, that we'll have you to answer. You ready? Yeah. All right. What's your favorite leg of the race? The one I'm on at the, at the time. <laughs> fair. That's fair. Um, what's your favorite go-to workout? I don't have to go anywhere. I just need to step out the door and I can run. And when I come back, get on a bike and bike. I love it. I love to swim outdoors. But, you know, there's only certain amount of water around and a certain amount of temperature that you can use it. So I guess I just have to put up with the pools. But I do. <laughs> I put up with the pools. <laughs> when you're working out, where is your favorite place to bike? Or where was your favorite place to bike? Oh, I'm so fortunate. Uh, I live within maybe 50 yards of getting on the Centennial Trail. It goes all the way over to Idaho from Spokane. So, oh, a lot of times I biked over from Spokane to Idaho, which is roughly uh, 35 miles plus, to uh, um, volunteer for their Ironman Okay. I'd my back over there to volunteer, spend the night, and then come back on my bike after it's over. But that's been a few years back. I don't know where time goes anymore. Exactly. Where does it go? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it is really weird. So weird. Well, I'm not the only one that feels it, so that means... Something is happening up there above us. I wonder if... Exactly. What is your go-to breakfast? You mean, what do I like to eat for breakfast when I go out? Yeah, before a race. Oh, before a race? Yes, ma'am. Oh. Well, sometimes I don't eat breakfast. I just take a... um, a, a bun or a little piece of 
don't know. I don't concentrate on eating that much. I just take what's handy, but usually it's not a sit-down breakfast. It could be just a, a cinnamon bud. That'll work. Okay. And this is a question that I ask everyone. So do you, uh, or did you, when you were doing longer distance, pee on the bike or get off and take a pop or pre-break? Well, uh, only twice do I remember peeing on the bike. If I, if it was available, there was one race that had absolutely no foliage. It was just all green, flat grass, and the trees were way back off of it. So I think I was forced into the issue. But there weren't very many passing me, so it, it wasn't a problem. It was just uncomfortable. And then when I got to the turnaround, there was a car parked in a lot. It was just a single car, so I did get off the bike there. Uh, you do what you have to do when you have to do it. And that's what you have to do. I appreciate that, Sister Madonna. Thank you so much. And for those of you, Sister Madonna will be 93 years old this coming July. I am so honored to have talked to you. I'm honored to have seen you uh, last year in Milwaukee. I appreciate what you've uh, done in sport. Uh, you have a book that you wrote in 2010, The Grace to Race, The Wisdom and Inspiration of an 80-Year-Old World Champion Triathlete Known as Our Nun. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been an honor. Thank you so much, Sister Madonna, for your time over the last couple of weeks as we've developed uh, this relationship. So I appreciate you. I appreciate you taking my calls. And um, I thank you for uh, being who you are and never stopping, for not stopping your triathlon career and continuing to try no matter what. As we say here on the Try Beginners Luck podcast, whenever you try, you always win. I'm Mashonda and we're out. Peace. Thank you, Sister Madonna. Well, I appreciate your enthusiasm. God bless you. God bless you too. Bye. Thanks. Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning in and listening to this episode. We need your help so we can continue to try at TBL. So for more information on where you can find and subscribe to this podcast, visit www.trybeginnersluck.com. And don't forget, whenever you try beginner's luck, you always win.